talked about honest organizations and i think honestly probably the most honest organization we have is the detroit pistons right like they've pretty much laid out like hey this is what we're doing troy river came in and said hey this roster needs a change this entire team needs a change and he came in and like you said earlier the best tank job i've seen in a while it was it had um first of all it had a sense of dignity no offense to the Sixers, but yeah, there was no dignity there. You brought in really fun players. You brought in decent guys. You got the number one pick and you drafted the right guy. And now you have someone who is, you know, you have a core, right? You have, hey, these are our five guys, right? You got Jimmy Grant, who he was in Denver and Denver was a championship contender, right? They were in the Western Conference Finals in the bubble. They had an MVP candidate and he was like, I want to go to Detroit. That doesn't happen in the NBA. You don't go from contender to rebuild. You go from rebuild to contender. You get out of rebuilds as soon as possible. And you like, mm-hmm. you know, give me to a team that can win 60 games and can make a conference finals and give me a chance at a ring. But he wants to build something there. You brought in Keelan Hayes, who is young and he is that oops, for somehow he's this polarizing figure because he's got good things about him. He's got bad things. And I, I cannot that. even believe that it's legal for people to put the word bust in the same sentence as Killian Hayes on the internet when he has played 13 NBA, or isn't that, isn't that what it is? 13, like 13 NBA or 20 games? games. He hasn't even played half a full season, especially in a season with no training camp, with no summer league, with all these different things going on because of the pandemic. And he has to drop in as the point guard. Okay, 26 games, but still. Yeah, 26. yeah, right. He had to come in basically in a team that, just started a rebuild and you're expecting him to what score 20 a game with 10 assists you're expecting like from Rajon Rondo no it's not going to happen and yes there are some things about him that need improving like every other young player in the NBA right like there's always good things and bad things but that's the haste thing we'll get to we'll get to that a little bit later but and again they have guys like Sig Bay who is just he's great Isaiah Stewart people are calling him Beef Stew which is an awesome name it's Probably top five Pistons nicknames <laughs> already just because of how ridiculous it is that we could call a grown man beef stew and it works. Yeah. <laughs> and you have the number one pick in Kate Cunningham, who is someone that has a lot of potential. He's someone who's built for the modern NBA. He can play point guard if you need him to be an off-ball threat. He can shoot. He's a decent defender. He's not the best, but he's going to get there. But the thing about the NBA is expectations for young prospects are so much higher because like you said earlier, they come in and they play. There's only five positions and there's only 15 roster spots. So you get drafted number one, you're not expected to go to the G league and develop. You're expected to help now. And so for me, um, my question for you is, do you think the expectations are going to get too high too quick for this team? Or do you think that this fan base is going to at least be grounded enough to say, hey, let's not go for a play-in spot right now and get blown out by 20 by some good team, right? Like, let's actually take our time and develop. So I think that's okay. Yeah. To, to get to it, as long as you don't do anything that, like, in the intermediary, like, screws over your future, I think you should try, especially now they have Kate Cunningham. Like, they, you have four first-round picks on your team. start you're gone you're off you're off and running and like if you look at what Sadiq Bey and Isaiah Stewart would have done in a redraft of like that season like it you you have three really you have four really good first round picks like you have the core Mm -hmm. start and um so I don't think that like because I I think they've kind of even structured the cap to like not to to kind of get everything over with in this next year or two. So then they can go out and spend as, as Cade's starting to like come into his prime and things like that. Mm -hmm. But I think to, to answer your original question that they have kind of come from a play, what do they win? 18 games last year. Was that what it was? 18 or 20. Um, I think because they won such a small amount of games that winning 35 or 40 games will feel like a vast, vast improvement that will please the fan base. I'm hoping that's the case because like that is uh, it, it's an interesting kind of juxtaposition with the Red Wings. Like 
fans were still really frustrated by the Red Wings last mm-hmm. season, which didn't, I mean, like, and they were frustrating to me and it, it didn't really make a whole lot of sense to me, both from my feelings and then other people's feelings, because like this is the last year, there was one of the worst teams in, in the salary cap era of hockey history. And yeah. this year they have, they're like six from the bottom, which isn't good. Mm-hmm but it's a vast improvement. And like that, that felt like a good season, you know, like, I don't know, like they, they had its frustrating moments, but I, I still think all in all, like people were happy with like the end result and, and kind of how it played out and the, the wins and losses and things like that. So I think as long as, you know, the, the Pistons are, if they can get to say 35 wins, but don't make the playoffs. And then, you know, they lost 10 games that year because they just couldn't close out a good team on the road or, you know, well, like things like that, it's all circumstantial and you kind of got some nuance to the conversation, but I do think that as long as they have like a substantial, like 10 win jump, like people will be cool with it. And I, and I think that last year, like they were not intentionally losing games, but like, they were kind of, they were like letting it go until like the last couple of minutes, I feel like. And then, I don't know, they just didn't have it, you know, and whether it be taking a guy out here or there, or, you know, whatever it was, I don't know. So it, that is kind of what I, what I would like to see from them. Yeah, it is definitely like that thing about the NBA is where, you know, regular season, right? You're, especially for teams that have to attend, you're looking to develop, you're looking to get guys in situations so um you know let's say hey we're down by two and there's like uh, 30 seconds left hey let me get all the young guys in so that they can know what to do because you can practice it all you want but in that game situation you know you're and also they're allowed to make mistakes it's the regular season and you make those mistakes and you learn from them so eventually when you do get in contention when you're in that playoff spot where it's like game five game six we're on the road we have to close this out or whatever case may be, hey, we've done this before. And mm-hmm. I have the experience to actually get through it. So I think Pistons fans can understand that, especially at this point, we're not chasing wins. We're just in this place to develop. So hopefully. And, and, and if it was a situation where it was like, oh my goodness, like they, they were really trying to go for the win. So they took out Isaiah Stewart and they put in Mason Plumlee and then yeah. he bricked a shot. Like that would be frustrating. And yeah. I know Mason Plumlee's not on the team anymore, but like that is the type of frustrating stuff, I think. It, it, and I mean, it depends, obviously, like last year when they did that, they were trying to tank, but like this year, you don't want to see that anymore. And so yeah. I think that that's just kind of a, a subtle difference with the lineup and roster construction and things like that. Right. And also for last shot, you'd rather have like Kate Cunningham or Jeremy Grant take it rather than like Ryan McGruder. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Get get Wayne Ellington off the court trying to win a ball game here. <laughs> yeah. But also, I think another point, you, another point that you made is just playing against championship teams. And they're actually like for some reason, the central division this year got kind of good like milwaukee obviously they're the defending champs chicago made a bunch of moves they signed the martha rosen the pacers they got a new coach last year was a disaster they also got carol's avert back they're looking to be in contention and people are hyping up the Cavs again i don't understand that part i mean we'll sure. see <laughs> that's like feels like the people hyping up the pistons like with blake griffin yeah, you know, I mean, those but Blake was an all like, like, there's a reason to hype up the Pistons with Blake Griffin, right? I don't know why you're hyping up the Cavs with Jared Allen. Yeah, but yeah. like the the hype with the Pistons was always like, dude, they could be a top four seed in the East. It was never like this team could contend for a championship. It's like this team might be able to win a playoff series, man. Like I'm being serious. It's like. Well, hey, look, four or five years ago, the East was pretty rough, right? If you were a top four team, you had a winning record. And if you were a bottom four team, there was like barely a chance that you were even 500. But yeah, a lot has changed there. And, you know, the East has gotten a lot tougher. The Central Division's a lot better. And I think this is great for them, for the Pistons to develop. Like, you're going to be playing against teams that are contending almost every night in your division. You're going to be seeing them a lot. You know, hey – this is how a championship team plays. You're going to look at the Bucks and you're going to look at them and how they're going to try and defend their championship and keep things together through a season. You're going to go up against Chicago who are trying to get better. And, you know, you're going to be playing against Indiana trying to get back into it. I think that's the best thing for a young team is to be 
in a good division. So you're going to get your ass kicked, but you're going to learn something from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, it's that whole iron sharpens iron thing. And I think you're, mm-hmm. uh, you hit the nail right in the head there. Yeah. Yeah. And, but my biggest worry about this team is we talked about the core. I'm not sold on the rest of this roster. Like, I don't know what happens. Like every off season, there's like one or two moves. I'm looking, I'm like, wait, why are we doing this again? Like last year, I wasn't big on the Mason Palmy signing because I'm like, do well, we, to do be we... fair, it, it appears neither was Troy Weaver. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Now this year <laughs> we brought in Kelly Olynyk, which I mean, sure, I guess. T he why? I mean, it's cool you have a guy named Kelly on the team, but is yeah, that... it, it's it's one of those like situations where you don't it, and the Red Wings are kind of going through this with like. You can't sign anybody too good because they're going to want too much money and too much term. Yeah. You can't sign anybody bad because then you're, it's to the detriment of the guys that you want to be good. Mm-hmm. So you kind of just got to find a nice middle. What the hell is this guy doing here? <laughs> Peace. And like the Red Wings had it with Mark Stahl, yeah. Sam Gagne, like all of those guys were all right. Yeah. I mean, they got to put somebody out there, you know, like, and, and so I think that that's because pro- I agree with you and it's just like, it just doesn't move the needle at all, but you kind of get it. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, kind of get it. Like I can see the Kellen link thing. He's a three point shooter. You can get him off the bench. You can maybe even start him in some cases. If you feel like Isaiah Stewart, maybe taking a step back. It's really, uh, it's, it's like, if it works out cool, if it doesn't, whatever. And mm-hmm. then there's things like you trade for DeAndre Jordan for some reason, and then you just let him go for some reason, just so we could go to the Lakers for some reason. And now he's on your payroll for some reason. <laughs> yeah, no, I looked this up. DeAndre Jordan is the fifth most paid player on the Pistons, and he's not going to play a game. The What did they get back in that deal, though? Did they get anything? Draft picks, which – Hey, that's the thing, right? You get more draft picks, you get more yeah. draft capital. Sure. That's hey. beautiful. That's, this is like, this is the ideal move for any sports franchise ever. Hey, give us the guy that you don't want anymore. And you can't like fit his contract on your budget mm-hmm. along with some picks. Like that is what, like that, that to me is like the best kind of move where like, you don't have to do anything with this guy. You just get the picks and you don't have cap space this year, but they don't want cap space this year anyway. So who cares? Yeah. Um, I would like to see more of these types of moves, frankly, with, with yeah. that move specifically. No, it's good on one hand, but on the other hand, it looks kind of weird when two of your top five players on your payroll aren't even on a team. Like yeah. that, just looks, that looks pretty weird because yeah. you know who number one is on a business player, right? Yeah. Blake Griffin. Blake. Right. With that pretty yeah, yeah. big contract, and he's out yeah. in Brooklyn having yeah, some. Yeah, so you fun. gotta. I mean, you, you gotta you gotta wait for that contract to come off the books, anyways. So why not really sink the ship if you're not planning on on doing uh, anything with it, anyways? That's kind of like the the. That's like the quickest way, honestly, to to kind of like pick up that draft capital, especially if you don't have a lot of assets to, like, give up. Like you don't have a lot of uh, things to to trade. Like getting that capital uh, is, is, is huge and, and basically being a waste management service, but you know, yeah, you gotta love it. Right. You gotta love it. You gotta love the job that Troy and Dwayne has done. And I've been, I don't know about you, but I've been kind of surprised about how the Pistons have kind of treated Dwayne Casey, especially considering he came in to a team that was contending. Like they were, they had Blake, they had, trying to remember Reggie Jackson and all these other guys. And, hey, we're going to make this playoff push. And then they faced the Bucks and basically got swept out of LCA, which was not fun at all. And yeah. now they're in a Blake repo. Griffin's knee is just, it was just like laying on the side of the court. <laughs> they had a 20-point lead in game three. I think I remember that. It was like 20-point lead in yeah. game three. And then Milwaukee <laughs> was like, we won 67 games. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I really love the fact that they're keeping him. And I made I made connections to the Sixers earlier about their tank job. But what I will say was something that they did do was they had um, Brad Brown. That's right. They had Brad Brown. And they were like, hey, deal with all this crap. Deal with losing 60 games a year just so you can play and develop with 
Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. And hell, we're going to even give you Jimmy Butler as a rental for a year. And we'll see how you can do. And then he didn't do well and they got him out of there. But they kept him. And that doesn't happen for coaches a lot. You know, hey, you were in Brownie for contention. Let's get you out. Let's get a guy to to rebuild. But they Mm -hmm. believe in Dwayne Casey because he's done it before. He did with Toronto. He had Kyle Lowry. Um, He had to to develop DeMar DeRozan. They turned into a contender. LeBron stopped them a lot. But, you know, they trust them to say, hey, you've done this once. You can do it again. And I think that's something that doesn't happen a lot in sports. But it's really refreshing to see that here, especially in this city. 100%. 100%. I'm very excited about it. Very excited too. And now the last team. Oh, the dreadful. Oh, great. Here they come. In a pack of... down the field, the charging team that will not yield. And when the blue and silver wave stand into the brave. I got sorry. All right, yeah. Yeah, the Detroit Lions. Run great franchise, just an awesome franchise. You start off on two, but we expected this. We knew this coming into the season. We knew this when Brad Holmes came in. We knew this when Dan Campbell came in. We knew this when Matthew Stafford was traded. We knew that this team was not going into the season to win games. And, you know, they've looked good at times, which I did not expect. They've looked really bad at times. So just what have you seen from these first two games that, you know, what were you expecting? What were you not expecting? I like I just very much feel like people are being a little too hard on the for the Lions through these first two games like they in my head the best case scenario is that they have a season exactly like the Pistons did last year where they're in games there's excitement guys making plays so you can say hey this guy's going to be here in the future but we lost. And so that's awesome for the draft stock mm-hmm. that like hasn't seemed to happen. Like people like, I don't know if you're on Twitter on Monday night during the second half of the, the Monday night football game, I was maybe little... it was just me, but like, I felt like people were way too upset with how the game transpired in the second half. Like they got outscored 21 to nothing in the last two quarters. Yes. That is a bummer to watch, but like, as far as, criticizing Dan Campbell or like Jared Goff. I saw a lot of Jared Goff criticism after that. Like, dude, he is in Lambo in prime time and took him into the halftime with the lead, you know? And like, that's not every, that doesn't mean much, but it means something. And it started raining and lose ball. He fumbled. It's it's tough to play in the rain, especially when I don't believe they practice for it, you know? Yeah. And, but I think I'll make a point about that game. It's because they looked so good in the first half. And I think people were like, they're going to lose, but they're going to at least, you know, not like completely self-destruct. And it looked like a self-destruction, which is kind of the worst thing. Like, hey, if you're going to come out here and lose, at least look terrible in all four quarters. Yeah. Don't give us hope, you know, for an upset. Especially, I think people were kind of building into the whole Green Bay looks kind of bad thing. We knew they would bounce back, but especially the way the offense moved in the first half. They were moving the ball pretty well. Goff had some really nice throws. The defense, although they were struggling, they were able to get a stop. They got some sacks. They didn't make it look easy. And then, you know, in the second half, they just completely went away from the defensive game plan. Um, I was watching the Manning, the, the Manning cast. I don't know if you were watching it too. And they had discussed this. They were playing two high safeties the first half, and it really gave Aaron Rodgers trouble. And then they go one-on-one. It was third and 12, and they get this big game. Devontae Adams fade on the sideline against the rookie corner. Um, And then that was kind of where the game changed. And then the fumble happened, and it all kind of spiraled. So I think a lot of that was just people were hoping for a win because they know how very little chances there are. And especially on the primetime game, Monday night, Everyone's looking at this Lions team like, wow, how the hell are y'all here? Why are you, why are we watching you? This looks like a Thursday night game, right? And and just for them to look good in the first half and kind of come out the way they did in the second, I think people, you know, kind of looked at the wrong way. But I think you have to expect this team to not look good at times and just, you know, have a bad quarter or a bad half. Because for me, the Lions this year, first two games i can say this they've looked good for four quarters and they've looked bad for four quarters because they were good in that first half 
against the 49ers until those last two or three minutes, and it all kind of spiraled. And then the fourth quarter, those three minutes, they came back. And you can say they looked good in the first half against Green Bay, and then it looked bad in the second half. But this is what I expect. I expect them to look good in some areas. I expect them to look good on offense. I expect the running game to be good because you have a good offensive line now. I expect the defense to be bad because your linebackers are slow and your secondary secondary is very young and your front four just can't get pressure yet. So that's what I'm expecting. And it's going to be a long season. Um, Do you have anything to add about that? No, I mean, like I completely agree with you. And if you look back at that green Bay game, like even if you want to go into the second half, yes, it was a disaster because of what happened on the scoreboard and that 21, nothing run. But if, if you really think about it, like there were a fourth and one play, they, they made a bad play call on fourth yeah. and one, mm-hmm. but that was, that was, if they convert, they're right there in it. And they can either, I believe they could have either regained the lead or if they would have kicked a field goal, they would have drawn within a, a, a point. Yeah. And so they played aggressive. They didn't get it. Mm-hmm. And then Aaron Rodgers chewed out the clock while, you know, like they, your corners can only be asked like Frank Ragnow was, I believe one, one injury away from going in at cornerback. I don't think that's official. I, you know, don't look that up or anything, but I'm pretty sure that's true. Uh, What are you expecting from Aaron Rodgers and, and Devontae Adams and Robert Tanyan and and Randall Cobb, like and Aaron Jones, like Aaron Aaron Jones, Jones. whatever he wanted that game, right. He was running, he was in the passing game. That's what you expected. That's the type of player he is. There's only so much you can do not to mention Jeff Okuda's out for the season. So whatever development you want to get out of him has to wait another year. Again, you're playing Amari Warrior, who was good. I forgot the rookie quarter's name somehow. Um, if he had to Melifonu. Oh, Fonte, yes. Like, again, he's a rookie. In his and and he's hurt now, too. And Yeah, and he had to cover Devontae Adams one-on-one. Yeah. That's the worst thing you can ask for any rookie corner is guard the number one guy one-on-one in the third and 12 on fade. Like, you can't even see the ball, bro. It is dark outside. Lambeau Phil's got some really cheap lining, I see. <laughs> Did you know? <laughs> I, I – I was just going to say, like, I don't I don't think I could ever be a full time football journalist because like just the way that like. Every game holds so much weight is exhausting to me and every play holds so much weight is exhausting to me. I saw a thing come out yesterday where Zach Taylor was the number one, had the best odds to be the next coach fired. He is one and one coming off a close loss to the Bears and at Joe Burrow is coming off an ACL tear like what? like obviously like some there's some discourse going on that like and it's just like who is saying these things and it just upsets me and i drives me insane yeah and football there's so little games so you have very few chances to really get wins right and i mean for the lions looking at their schedule it only gets harder from here right but we're going to get to that later but we're going to talk about really um back to what you said about dan campbell you know, he is in his first year as head coach of the Lions. And I'm going to say this right now. I don't think this is a hot take. I think he's probably the face of the franchise right now, if you're really thinking about it. I agree. I 100% agree. It's, and it's like because the, the team has kind of come out in these first two games, too, and, like, played the way that he said they were going to play, like, they literally got knocked down, bit a kneecap off of the 49ers, tried to get back up, got knocked down again, took another kneecap off, and then felt they covered the spread. They covered the spread. You know, yeah. like that was that's, that's what literally you exactly what he said he was going to do. Right, right. Good teams win. Great teams cover spread. Absolutely. That's what we do. And I've been really impressed by the culture that they have, right? Like you can tell that these guys, they know they're not good. They know that the talent's not there. They know that it's a long season, but they're still trying. That 49ers game, I would not have blamed them if they had just said, this is a 49ers team. They were in a Super Bowl two years ago. They have one of the best defenses you can really see. Their running game is really good. Let's pack this up. This game didn't go the way we thought of it, but no, they, they brought it back scored two straight touchdowns, got two straight four point conversions. Um, Trey Flowers forced a fumble on a third down run. They had a chance to win the game. And that's what you want from a team is just show that fight and to show, hey, you can knock us down. We might lose, but we're going to take something with us. Yep. Yep, exactly. Yeah, but – and this is the other thing. It's a long season too. So 
the same energy you have in weeks one and weeks two, eventually those losses, they're going to pile up and they're going to bring down the morale and injuries are going to happen. The secondary is already banged up in week three. And again, the schedule is not going to get any easier. You're already putting guys on a trade block. And so for him as a coach, I'm just worried about him being able to keep it up throughout the season. Like eventually guys are going to lose hope. And so do you think that this is a team that is going to keep that up through the season? So it's interesting you say that because I think that that we at least have to account for the likelihood that there will be some times where that goes the other way, where sometimes where they do end up picking up the win and that kind of boosts the morale a little bit. And I think as long as that happens, if they like win once every three, four games, and the schedule is probably not going to allow for this, but the, you know, if they can win every couple of games and like not have any really bad losing streaks, I think it'll be okay. And I think that like, uh, again, much like the Pistons, as long as you're showing that you're in these games and you can go back to your, your locker room after that 49ers game and say, guys, we almost did the damn thing, you know, or they, you can go into the game again after the Packers and say, you know what? They, they got us that second half, but I, could not be prouder of the fact that we went to halftime in Lambeau in prime time with a lead. I think that counts for something. And I, and I think that like those things as well kind of add up and, and we haven't really seen any positive results yet. And it, it'll be interesting to see how that kind of starts to, I don't, I don't want to say change things, but how that seems to amplify things and, and helps us kind of get a read on what the, situation is in that locker room because i do agree with you like it does seem that a lot of guys are you know really really seem to buy in the only question is like do i don't think that the lions and and this is this is not this is me completely making a guess assumption whatever (laughs) i don't think that the lions players look at dan campbell like everybody else looks at dan campbell yeah because when you see Dan Campbell, from our point of view, it's, hey, what's going on, guys? Ask me questions. I'm going to say something funny and, you know, like that. It's, it's a different setting. And I, and I know what's interesting is that I know that he's like that. That's just who he is. That's, he's like that across the board. Right. But when he's your coach, like that's, that's coming from a different place. And I don't think – like as as animated and as energetic as he is, I don't think he's a clown. Like no. I, 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 he gets that he gets that connotation a lot, or, or not connotation. That's not the right word. You know what I meant. He yeah. gets that that image a lot, where where people kind of want to call him a clown and things like that. He doesn't say anything like that ridiculous. It's no. just like the way he says things is naturally funny, and um. You know, I think it just has a different tone when you're in the locker room versus when you're speaking in front of the media and people are asking you questions and, and things like that. So I, I'm very interested because I have had the same, you know, concerns, like hopefully this doesn't go south. And because that, that typically does tend to happen when your coach is a clown and you don't want a lot like, yeah, you know, but but I think that that Dan Campbell, I, I think one thing that sets him apart from coaches that are typically like that it's his humility like i think that dan campbell is he's literally shown it countless times already willing to go hand up that's on me i completely screwed up i need to be better for my team so we can do this and we can do that and i should i should have more respect for that and you know that and little things like that i think go a long way when when coaches hold themselves accountable especially coming out of a culture where there was just the that coaches. It was the, the coaches against the the players, and it was like like wardens versus like <laughs> prisoners, and they were yeah. like prisoners that were wrongfully booked, you know. And they were like, "Let us out!" And you know, they it it was so weird. That whole that whole last regime was was mm-hmm. so weird, and it's it's weird how you didn't really realize the road that you were on until you got there. Right. And you're like, "Holy smokes, this is a weird environment." Yeah. And when you have so many guys coming out of that, I think you have a lot of leeway with mm-hmm. a guy like Dan Campbell. And I think even if you're not winning games, rediscovering your love for football is counts for something. And, and I think that that's something that a lot of these guys are probably doing guys like Tracy Walker, you know, like guys who have been on this team and have, have Will Harris and, and 
Trey Flowers, like it just at, guys who have been around and have been kind of beaten down, but aren't rookies and, and don't know, you know, they don't have that, you know, wistfulness or whatever. So I don't know. It'll be interesting. It's definitely something to watch for. And I definitely agree that, that there is a, a minor concern there. Yeah. But I will say this about Campbell and the rest of the staff. It does seem like what Holmes and what Campbell wants to create is this like culture. Cause a lot of the assistant coaches are former players, you know, you got Aaron Glenn and you also have Deuce Daly coming in. So they really want to create this thing where, Hey, we don't want this to be like coaching staff versus the players. We want to make it relatable. I remember in week one where uh, Kuda got, I think, I think something happened. I can't remember the exact play, but they were looking at the film and he was getting into the coach's face and they were kind of going back and forth. And then he had that embarrassing uh, thing against, I believe it was, um, I believe it was Debo Samuel and it was like a really long touchdown, but yeah. they embraced, right? They embraced on the sideline. Like, Hey, you're going to make mistakes, right? Like it happens, but I like the effort and I like that. Uh, I like that you owned up to it. Like mm-hmm. that type of openness is not going to produce wins right now because of the way the roster is, but eventually it's going to create this trust and it's going to create this thing where, you know, the, the players are going to feel more comfortable. They're going to have more faith in themselves, you know, and not be so down when they make mistakes. And that's going to lead to, to better results along the line, which is what, which is basically what they have to hope for a hundred percent. And like, I think another thing we can move on from this, but just one more point I have is that like, yeah, like I, I think sometimes I've seen a lot of people kind of point out, I've never seen a coach like Dan Campbell work. This is a new generation of player. Like yeah. the, the, like the, you think back to that, that, when the story that Darius Slay told where he really soured on Matt Patricia, where he yeah. said like, you're, you know, if you haven't heard the story, he basically said like you're S in this man's D yeah. and, and it was like in a film room and he called him out. It was like some guy from the other team. And he's like, that's my friend. Like we played in college or whatever it was. And he, he just, I think like 20 years ago, every coach in the league was probably talking to their players like that. And then all, and then, you know, now it's just not okay. And so it's not that that's just now it's just not okay. But like, there's, there's also something that comes with it where like they didn't respect Matt Patricia in the first place. Like you, you couldn't say he didn't have the right to say that, you know, like that there wasn't a relationship there where they could laugh it off or anything like yeah. that. Like he was being for real and that's not how you connect with players and, and, today's world and i do think that there is a lot that goes into getting the most out of your players from a personality standpoint like i want to go fight for this guy and um it'll be interesting to see how, how that shakes out yeah and also um just want to get over the news that came out i believe today or yesterday that jamie collins is officially on the trade block there they've already told him hey you've done a good job, but we're going to look at other options for you to play somewhere else. And apparently the report came back, said he's okay with it. Um, I'm just kind of wondering, like, I'm, 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 I don't want to make a joke about this, you know, but I, when I first, when I first heard that, I don't know why the first three words that came to my mind were um, return to sender, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm not for saying you know, return to sender, you know what that means, right? Like he came from New England. So. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Then no, I'm back. I don't yeah, know if that's no. going to happen, but that's just the thought I had. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely possible. It would make sense. I, I saw so when that report came out the other day, I saw some Patriots fan in like Twitter reply saying, uh, Patriots linebackers don't leave in free agency. The Patriots just loan their linebackers to other teams. And I was like, yeah, it's pretty true. I mean, like, and, and because they get so much out of that position, it's almost crazy, right? Yeah. And, um, I mean, it makes it makes sense on a lot of fronts. It, it essentially is the Troy Weaver shipping out Mason Plum or, you know, shipping out whoever because we don't got room for you, pal. We're trying to get Derek Barnes and we're trying to get some last looks at Jalen Reeves. Maybe yeah. there's 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 reasons outside of, um, you know, just the, the performance on the field. And the linebackers have been maybe the worst position group for the the lions this year and that might be kind of insulting to the defensive back group but i give them a little bit more leeway because they are so inexperienced and they are shuffling guys in and out but the linebacker core by and large has been terrible and um you know you look at a guy like jamie collins 
who might have some value out there. Like he played good for the Lions last year at times. Yeah. Like I, I still think like if in the right situation, he's a very valuable piece to to a possible championship contender. So I do think that he does have value there, and it's just one of those situations where we'd like to get this guy in. Mm-hmm. We can get value by doing that. Let's do it. You know, like that that it. it it's not too complicated of a, of a situation to me. It yeah. just very much feels like, Hey, let's just try and sell off our assets to, to get some more draft picks, which I'm obviously all about. Love, love me some draft picks, love stockpiling draft picks. Right. Draft picks. Yeah. And I'm, I'm excited to see Derek Barnes. I was clamoring to see him on Monday. Mm-hmm. I had enough of Alexander. And I'm like, why is this dude on the field, man? Like what does he bring long hair? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. He's a yeah. Saints player. I, I understand Aaron Glenn. He's a Saints player. You want to have him out there, but at some point you got to realize, nah, man, this dude cannot be in half uh, coverage. You know, I will say I do feel better when a, a linebacking core has a guy with really long blonde hair. Like, I feel like that that's like a part of, you know, that's, that's a good culture right there. Yeah. <laughs> but no, not, not, not Alex Anzalone. Maybe, maybe another one. No, Bring Clay, Clay Matthews out of retirement like that. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I just couldn't believe when the press conference, you know, and Dan Campbell was talking about Alex and like, yeah, we like what we saw out of him. I'm like, what did you see exactly? Did you like yeah. it? Did you like what you, that he did on the bench? Because I don't know about you. I looked at him on the field and he was getting burnt by Robert Tunyon. Yeah. Oh, man. Yep. But one more thing about the lines, you know, first two weeks, obviously, this is kind of what we expected, but. They got a really, and I mean, they have a tough schedule. This is the worst schedule you can give to a rebuilding team. They're playing eight games against two of the toughest conferences in the NFL. Like, you guys, I see, I see the. Yeah, so I'm, I'm actually Googling. You want to uh, look at the schedule and you want to see like the murderers row. Because, so like, pro or. Okay, never mind. Football reference sometimes like has like the strength of the schedule on there. I was just curious to see if it was like yeah. number one in the league. I don't think it's number one. Yes, it is uh insane. Like I it didn't uh, I don't think it ranked it. Um but yeah, I mean it is it, it is insanely tough. The thing is, is it could be not so bad for the next three weeks after this Ravens game, like depending yeah. on how the bear, like the bears are always going to be a tough out. Like that's just always a weird divisional game that can go either way. Same with the Vikings the week after that. And then you got the Bengals coming into town. And so I don't know it, there, there, there's some time for them to get back on track. They got to go to LA to play the Rams when that'd be a sweet uh, little, little present for uh, our friend, Matthew Stafford there. Yeah. Uh, and then they come back home and, and play the Eagles. And so like that is the schedule through October. Mm-hmm. I think you could pick out two to three wins in, in that. Yeah. Like the Eagles aren't very good. And nah, they're that, NFC East team. Come on. We're not, well, how much of a benefit out are we going to give them? That's true. That's true. And, and I just think that like with the scrappiness of the lions and I think, I, I've kind of said this to a couple people uh, in the last few days, but like the thing that's interesting about the Lions this year is that they did such a complete reset that like interesting things are going to happen that we haven't seen in a long time because yeah. they're just playing a different style of football. Like I think this season, and this is a hot take, bold prediction, you are going to see like a couple times, like a hundred yard rushers, like with maybe not a hundred, but like between Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift, right. like 150 yards between them both or something like that. Like a, a, a couple times this year, because they didn't really have that much of a problem running the ball. They were just playing from behind in, in the, the mm-hmm. 49ers game. And so they had to kind of abandon that. And then right. they, the entire second half against the, the Packers, they were playing a little bit of catch up there. And so I just feel like this is a, a season where you're going to kind of see random little things like that happen along the way. Um, and it, it, yeah, I don't know. It, th- this is a fun season to be a Lions fan. If you just let it be, just let it be. Don't get yourself wrapped up in, in wins and losses and how this guy looks and how that guy looks like. Relax. It's going to be all right. It's going to be funny. LA as our good friend. I can't, I can't do that. 
I can't say it. <clears throat> no, I know, I know, but hey, they got to play the Ravens. That is going to be absolutely tough because if there's one thing I know about the Lions for the past two years, their rushing defense looks pretty rough. And, and, and playing that game, like coming off a Ravens win against the Chiefs oh. on Sunday Night Football, like I just don't like it. But also that might bode well for the Lions. I have no idea. I'm still trying know. to figure out gambling it's, and things like that. So <laughs> it could go either, hey, they look good and then they they you know they lose as close, or Lamar passes for 300 and also rushes for 200 because why the hell not? Yeah, and I mean, like that might if they make him throw exclusively, yeah, which they might. Like, I'm not saying that they'll have a chance to win because Lamar is a very good thrower, but he's just not oh, yeah. as good when he's one-dimensional. And mm-hmm. so, like, that was something that, that I felt they did very well. Uh, for the most part on Monday night was they took away everything over the top. And of course that kind of all fell apart when Frank Ragnar had to go in and play cornerback. Um, <laughs> but like they were doing that well and they were forcing the Packers to kind of march down this field in a slow methodical way for four yards to Aaron Jones dump off and hit Robert Townie on a six yard, you know, comeback route. And they were moved, they had to move the ball that way. And when you do that, you basically allow your, your defense more chances at a turnover or more chances for the offense to make a mistake. And so if you're able to, to, to maybe force the Ravens into playing a certain way, I think that's a team where you might be able to keep it close because you might be able to just force a couple of mistakes. But at the same time, the Ravens, I mean, after that, that game against Kansas city, I believe they could very well win the Super Bowl this year. So who knows? Yeah, they're definitely Super Bowl contenders. And I'm telling you after the bye week, they had better get ready because they got to go back to back. Pittsburgh, even though that offense is looking, I was going to say I don't, I don't think that's as big of a problem as it might sound right now. <laughs> oh my goodness! I've because I watched both Pittsburgh games this year just because they were on CBS during the um the 49ers Lions game, and then they were also the one o'clock game this past Sunday. And I was looking mm. at the offense, and I was like, "Man, Big Ben looks bad." Yeah, yeah. Man. I uh, I bet on the Steelers last week. It kind of was like. It was like a slam dunk to me. I was like, they just beat the Bills. Yeah. The Raiders are coming off an emotional win on Monday night, short week, got to travel to the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Steelers are going to run them. And then they just look terrible. So look terrible. I probably won't be betting on the Steelers again because I don't yeah. believe in them at all. But also, it's an away game too. And then they got to play Cleveland. And Cleveland is like, how the hell did the Browns get good? When did that yeah. happen? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. It's a tough <laughs> But I think eventually – you know, like you said, during the season, there are winnable games. Like, they play Atlanta yeah. later in the yeah, year. exactly. That's the Broncos, the really Vikings. Mean. The Vikings are going to be really bad, I think. Like, I don't think the Vikings are going to be good. I think I don't know. They've lost really close games, and especially that last one, which is another Vikings kicker missing a field goal, like, for the 50th time in their franchise history. But, I mean, the weapons on offense, you got Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, right? Like, how are you going to stop the run? How are you really going to stop the pass? You know, yeah. you're going to have to really get lucky and figure out that Kirk Cousins is just going to take one for the team and give one to his home state. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So exactly. one one more thing, man. I promised you. Promised you game time. Yes, I'm game time. Giving you four questions, four things. This is very easy. You just got to right. get best to worst, most likely, least likely, and then we can get out because this has been fun. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. So. First question. First question. Team most likely to gain a playoff for first. Ooh, Pistons. Er, crap. Pistons because chronologically. Hmm. I, like if I were to bet, actually, no, I'm going to say Pistons outright because oh. I think they're going to have a pretty good chance of making the playoffs this year. Hmm. I would bet on them making the playoffs this year. I don't know why, but I just kind of feel like the energy's there and like, I think they're going to make a run. It's also a lot easier to get in the NBA playoffs than it is the MLB playoffs. And so yeah. it just kind of makes sense to me. Like, I, I think that the, they like the Pistons and Tigers might do it in the same year, but because the Pistons postseason is going to come first, I'm going to go Pistons there, but then I'm going to go Pistons, Tigers, Red Wings, Lions. Right. Right. I was actually going to say Tigers um, because I look uh, maybe just because I know just a little bit more about the NBA and I'm kind of like in Dalston and I'm wearing an NBA hoodie right now. <laughs> I'm keeping my expectations low on the Pistons this year because I think 
yeah, they could make the playoffs, but I think in terms of them actually contending, like, is it really better to be an eighth seed or just say, hey, we're just going to win 30 games this year and get another good draft pick, right? I think it is. Like, if if it's the difference between being having the 10th best lottery odds or being a playoff team, make the playoffs, baby. You know, like, that, that, that is a great building block. That is something that you can point to. It's tangible. To, to go into next season, you have the experience of playing in a playoff game. You have the urge to get back. Like, I, I think that there's a lot of value in that. I see your point. Yeah. But um, I, for me, it's like when you're at the stage of the Pistons are in, if you have a don't again, don't mortgage your future for it. Yeah. If a, a good trade opportunity comes up at the deadline and you're going to have to get rid of somebody that you was helping you win games like a cat Kelly Olenek or something like that, like make the trade, you know, like don't, don't do anything that's going to hamstring your future. But if you get there by accident, don't be disappointed. Right, you know. Right. And I just think the way the targets are looking, I might be a little too optimistic. I think they could sneak into a wild card, right? I I'm I don't know. Maybe I'm just being too optimistic about what's going to happen. But I think if they make the right moves, if you know, if the pitching comes together, right? Like I think if that comes through. I don't know. Maybe I'm just too hopeful. They are going to a World Series next year. I will take it one step further. <laughs> They're going to the World Series next year. I placed a $10 wager on them to win a World Series this year. Paid out like $100,000. It was a ridiculous return. Uh, but all year I was saying like feels like 06. And then I was like, oh, wait, no, this is the season before the season. Hashtag feels like 05. <laughs> and um I think they're going to like come like, and, and because like, if you kind of look at the trajectory of like all these rebuilding teams, like that is kind of what it is. Yeah. Valley, Valley, Valley. Oh, Hey, the, the tigers, yeah. the tigers are good. You know, like that's just kind of how it goes in, in baseball. And especially when you have like an influx like this, where you got so many guys coming up and, and breaking through at a, at a similar time, it just, uh, I don't know. I, I think they can, I think they could be the favorites in the division next year, depending on who, they sign in the offseason. We'll see. Yeah. All right. Next question. Now rank the GMs that you have most trust in to least trust in in terms of how they've done so far and in terms of trust of what you think they can do in the future. All right. I'm going to go Steve Eisman 1-1. I think he's the best general manager in the National Hockey League and one top five in all sports. Uh, Troy Weaver, number two because no definitely not biased um troy weaver number two because and and honestly like i would say like just based off results like troy has done more but that's not steve's fault yeah you know because of the way that that's it's two different that, that's it's it different yeah it was two different leagues still. like there was a, a way bigger mess to clean up from the previous regime in terms of contracts and yeah. the way that whole thing works out and Iserman has, has proven that he's done it already. Like he deserves a ring for these two Tampa Bay Lightning Stanley Cups that they just won. Yeah. Uh, he was the architect of that team. He has continually gotten good results on, on trades. He Every time he makes a trade, it's like the biggest, ha-ha, you're an idiot, <laughs> other GM you know trade ever like they just keep it just the, the joke is don't trade with steve arsman like you yeah. just want like it's it's a meme mm-hmm. so i have to put him number one but troy weaver i think is a very very close number two he just hasn't been a gm for long enough for me to have the same amount of trust and i in and, and sometimes a gm can be good at the rebuilding part but then not good at the signing pieces you know part and Mm -hmm. and asset management down the road and and that's what kind of muddies the tenure as gm which is why i like steve but then i also really do like troy because he is ruthless and i think that that like from a gm standpoint i like my gm to be ruthless because i am not and i have feelings and i'm like oh but this guy he did so much for the organization you know and and that's not how you gotta run a a team in this league and you know you you gotta understand i like that they they both have guys who can make very very tough decisions and feel comfortable in doing so because they believe in themselves three i'm gonna go brad holmes um I, i think it's cut from a similar cloth as these two guys i really do I think what's interesting about, uh, and I pointed this out during the draft, remember the last three NFL drafts where a Matt Patricia player was literally just slow for his position Mm -hmm. and, and bulky and awkward. 
And they're like, that's a Matt Patricia player. Brad Holmes players, ass kickers, right? And isn't that the, the word that we were using on draft day? Everybody's using on draft day. Yeah. Um, and it's true. Like you look at these guys, like you you want, like they want guys who are trying to throw other guys out the club. And that's what they're getting. Like that's the, their, their first draft to me was phenomenal because they like have like every pick they made was a good pick. Not just because you say, well, this, this is, this would be a bad pick if it were any other team, but this is a Matt Patricia guy. So you know what? We're going to trust him. And, and it was just like the stupidest thing ever in hindsight, but that's the way sports works. So you got to give it time to develop and things like that. And then three, I'm going to go Alavila um, because I, or four, I'm going to go Alavila because I just don't trust that man at all. I like honestly don't even know what to give him credit for in general, like what, and we've seen him spend money and it hasn't been that great. A lot of times like the Jonathan scope signing is really the only one of the only positive developments that he's had as, as a GM. And I just don't really like anything that he's done in particular. And especially if he doesn't make the signings this off season, uh, that turn out to be fruitful. I think he's uh, going to be dead to me. Yeah, note about Brad Holmes. He did come from the Rams like side and doing all that draft prospect evaluating. So, of course, that's what they needed. They needed a guy that can draft well. So, And isn't that like kind of the exact story on Troy Weaver too? Like I, I, I like that the Lions kind of went out and got a guy that was exact. They basically got the football version of Troy Weaver. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know if I can exactly name the the like draft picks to his credit. Like I could with the Troy Weaver because he was like Russell Westbrook, James Hart. Like he just like yeah. drafted Hall of Famer after Hall of Famer. Yeah, Brad um, just did a good job of getting guys without the first round pick. Like they found really good second round guys, mm-hmm. guys in the later rounds that contributed. Like especially for that Rams team, like they went from bottom to a Super Bowl with yeah. Jared Goff as their quarterback. Not saying anything yeah. about Jared, but. He's got his limitations and they were able to get there. Yep. And also responsible for Aaron Donald. I think that's his claim to fame. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. All right. So third question, which team is most likely to go back to the drawing board first and have to rebuild again? Ooh, this is a good question, Cam. This is a question that in my Detroit sports discourse over the last couple months, I ha- has not come up at all, has not crossed my mind. I have not been asked. This is a fantastic question. I'm just stalling because I'm trying to think of an answer. I can't think of one either. I just put it out like, hey, it'd be fun to see him. You know, I'm going to say the Lions because I don't – it's just the nature of the game, I think. Yeah. Like, and, and it's the nature of like how quickly a coach can get ousted. Like the, the, the Red Wings – Eisenman has all the cachet in the world like that that he will not allow something to like completely because like sometimes you see teams and like you think they're on the come up and they had that one really good year and then all of a sudden there's a bunch of drama behind the scenes and you know there's like all that infighting and it's just not a good culture like I don't see that happening with the Red Wings I think once they start their way up they're going to keep going up and it's just going to be like that until they're done with their contending window. The Pistons are just so set up for a while that I don't really see it happening anytime soon. Like I, if you have Cade Cunningham, you don't blow it up, you know, like, and I, and so like, that's what, five years, you have at least yeah. five years until you got to retry it all again. Um, the Tigers, I got too much faith in AJ Hinch to, <laughs> to on a day-to-day basis. Like, and that's the thing that's, that's great about AJ Hinch is like, doesn't matter who's out there. You know, he's going to get the most out of him. You know, it's going to translate to wins. And so like, I think I don't see them having like a disastrous year, just like mixed into this, but football, it's very easy to have that disastrous year. And and it's, you got such a short leash. It's, it's, it's really kind of crazy. And that's why I was like getting upset with how upset people were getting, because I'm like, what were you expecting from these games? Like, are you really going to be your, your, you're not complaining about Dan Campbell, but you're saying things that are complaints and complaining about things that directly fall on the shoulders of Dan Campbell. Mm-hmm. So like you can't have your cake and eat it too. So I don't know. I, I, I'm going to go to the Lions. So for, for those reasons. All right. And uh, one more question team that is most in need to change their uniforms. 
Ooh. Pistons. Because, yeah. well, Red Wings never, Tigers never. Mm-hmm. I, I actually saw something going around today on Twitter. I can't remember where it was from, but there was somebody like advocating for the Tigers to go back to like the traditional D that they had on their chest for a while. And I actually do agree with that. I don't necessarily like the the thinner D on the jerseys. Um mm-hmm. that was that's my really only complaint about it because otherwise it's a nearly flawless uniform. Um the pistons to me need to change their uniform. Yes. Because why wouldn't you? You are going like you have the number one pick in the draft. You are literally rebranding as a team in a lot of ways. Take advantage of that. Bring out some sick new uniforms. Do think like and this is what I'm like talking about when like I I really put a lot of stock into things that don't really matter probably in the grand scheme of things but like i put stock in things like this where you're like these are the new look pistons you're feeling good in your new threads like you 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 feel like i don't know like it's it's the perfect time to go and do something and i and i it's blowing my mind that they're just standing pat and be like i don't even know the the thing that bothers me is that like i just know that like their current jerseys are similar to what they've always had since i've been alive and like i don't really know how or what way like i don't know if they look any different at all like i remember the the shorts used to have like the remember the the logo they used to have where it was like the horse with the the yes. ball and, and like and it was on flames and stuff yeah and like they that change it to like the ball and the detroit piss yeah and here's also my thing about the pisses uniforms right and i'm gonna say this because i'm a bit of a young fan but i do remember like the teal uniforms and that's always a topic of conversation bring back the teal and all that and people always say don't bring back the teal it was bad culture it was mediocrity here's my question what are these current piston uniforms represent like it's not like this team has been blowing the world on fire this these uniforms have represented mediocrity a lot longer than the teal uniforms i'm not saying go to teal but if you're and, and why do we change i mean and because of that, they have become one of the most boring uniforms in all of sports to me. Oh like when you got the red, white, and blue, it's like tough because those aren't exactly original colors. Yeah. But you got to do something. Like even if you were just going to like change the font back to what it was in the 80s, like that would be something, you know, and, and that would be enough for me, I think. Like if, but you're absolutely right in that like this uniform in particular has just represented mediocrity for a long time and i think what makes it worse on top of that is that every single alternate uniform that they've rolled out in this last decade i have absolutely hated i have detested i have been sickened by it i don't ever 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 in my life want to see cade cunningham wearing a jersey that in any way says motor city on it i just (laughs) don't I don't, don't give me the, the, stu- like literally the, the lines going up the Jersey where it looks like they got run over, you know, mm-hmm. like they, that is, it all looks terrible to me and it, and it doesn't make any sense. And you just do something new, mm-hmm. please for your fans, like generate, keep that momentum rolling again. Like I said, close number two is the lions. I, I think they got really close with their last uniform design. I don't think black does belongs in the, the, lions uniform i love the white i love the gray and i love the blue and like if you just if you look back at like those 90s uniforms and maybe it's just like nostalgic because it's something it's just you know the generation before us that we weren't around exactly but they did right like the the blue and silver and white that's all you need keep it the blue and silver add a little bit more white in because i think that now they're a little too blue and silver yeah but I love like, give me like a silver helmet with a blue face mask, like keep it 100. Don't, don't bring in that extra color. Like I didn't, I, I just, I really don't like the the uniforms that they had from like the two thousands to before these ones. Like I just, I, I didn't think they were that great. I mean, I kind of like them because like my memories of them are basically, Hey, here's Kevin Johnson mossing three people. Yeah. 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 And I'm hot take. I did like the black ones. I just like the fact that they look different. I don't know. Is that a hot take? I, I think I, cause I was just going to say hot take. I never liked the black ones, but here's what I will People say. Like the I, black ones? I, I don't know. I, I thought they did. 
maybe I'm wrong. Uh, maybe I just want to feel like a victim. <laughs> I will say, <laughs> if you ever played Matt, you Madden guy. I actually yes, saw I am a Madden guy. Unfortunately, we, we got still we, here. I'm still here, unfortunately. But damn it, I love football. You and me both, pal. Um, we got to play MLB the show sometime. I saw you. you oh, I guess. I do. Can we talk about MLB for a second? Because this is my first year since 06. I had it for the PSP. And then they brought in 21. It was like, um, it was Fernando Tatis on the cover. And I was and like, you were so, so, so excited. It kind of I sucks. was so excited. I played, I'm playing Diamond Dynasty right now. I have That's all I do. an amazing team. I got Miguel Cabrera, the 99. I'm hitting homers on the CPU because I suck online. I ain't got <laughs> no night in the game. But, oh, that game is so much fun. Who's, oh yeah. Do you play Diamond Dynasty too? Oh yeah. I Who's your best player. I have I put in way too much time. I'm like all 99s across the board. I'm oh, not gonna lie yeah. to you. I, I have a 99 at every position. Yeah, yeah. Who's your who's I, been your favorite player? Because I know mine straight up. Ooh, um, that is a great question. I would have to say you go first. Let me let me think of mine. Who who is yours? The MVP Bryce Harper. Mm, I don't have him. I, have, I, I, uh, I somehow I got enough stubs to buy him. I'm never selling him. He is a lefty that rakes. I love his swing. I don't know what it is, but like every time I'm up to bat, like it's either a single or a home run. I'm sure like more than half of my hits are home runs. I don't know how. <laughs> the, man's just, the man's just crazy. Oh man, that is such a good question oh you know what i did do last night and i haven't played with him yet but i i'm actually going to say this is my favorite one because i've been working toward him for a long time i got the 99 overall mariano rivera Ooh. so i'm gonna go with that despite that i haven't played with him yet but i've been i haven't i don't have meggy yet i don't have the 500 homer meggy i have like literally been i i cannot get the last extra base hit that i need to like complete the mission um, uh i hate those missions <laughs> yeah I, uh, it's really tough because I know that I'm literally, I, I can't think of my lineup right now because I just do things to like level up. So I'm, I'm struggling to think of like who all my best players are, but, um, Prince Fielder, I had the 2012 home run edition. Yes. He's, he's badass. He is so good. Uh, yeah, That's it. we'll go with that one for now until okay. I get Maggie. We'll go with Prince Fielder. All right. What's been your best poll from uh, the show? All those packs you get. I pulled a Mike Trout uh, base when he was like 400,000. What? So, I and I pulled him. the other day, I just pulled like literally two days ago, I pulled a Bobby Witt 99 future stars out of like Ooh. a ball and as a habit pack or something like that. It's, it's disgusting how much time I've never put any real money into the game. Yeah. But I have put in enough time that you might be able to guess that I've spent like two to $300 on the game. It's disgusting. Yeah. But I, and I still suck. And and that's the thing that pisses me off. I still play on rookie mode. I still can't win online. It, it, it sucks. Anyways. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> I know. Like my pulled Mike Trout, but it was like his presence at like two fifty, And then I waited. And then like three days later, he was like one fifty. I was like, Oh, yeah. so that's how yeah. the game works. Right. I yeah. finally pulled Trout. And now he's basically like, still worth a bit because he's the he's the most expensive life series card but like damn i could i could have had 400k if you must yeah i'm currently like i'm big into the team affinity like i get a lot of my cards that way yeah and then um i'm currently working my way through the live series collection Mm -hmm. which i hadn't really been doing until like a couple weeks ago but i i really want that david ortiz card because i think it would be sick to have him so no, I, I worked for that series. I, I was like, hey, this, like, uh, Chipper Jones? Sure, I'll, I'll take a Chipper if all I got to do is collect <laughs> cards and live my life, you know, sure. And, and I yeah. got Chipper. I was like, I, I saw him and I was like, I'm never getting his card. And now I got him. <laughs> I'm kind of mid with him, but it, it works out. Well, like what I, what I started to do was like, I would just, you know, when I would open the packs, I would immediately sell everything. And then I was yeah. like starting to try and do the live series collection. And then I would like go to the store and just like buy every card. And I was just like, no, just keep building the collection over a period of time. And every time you open 10, 15 packs, then go in and collect everything. And then, mm-hmm. and then go say, you know, and so it's, it's been a process, but. 
been great. I didn't know it's going to end on that MLB the show. Um, I know we're it's talking it's, about it's... Madden for some reason. <laughs> like, forget that. No, but I I play Madden, and look, the thing about Madden it gets me every time when there's a Calvin Johnson card that comes out. I'm like, no, it's my Calvin Johnson card. Give it to me. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he's mine, and I got him on my team. And yeah, he he's really good. He, he actually made him good so far this year. But I look, I just love football and. Madden gets me, so yeah. I, I'm with you. I say it every year. <laughs> oh man. But Nolan, it's been great having you. We had a lot of great discussion. Of course, you are the first ever guest on Motor City Revival. Yeah, so, thank you for having me. Yeah, man. Just just keep your head up and maybe you might have me on a podcast. Maybe I can talk a little bit of hockey once I catch some of these preseason games and get a good feel on how the team's going so far. Yeah, know. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Never, absolutely. Never. Um, so, again, thank you, Matt, so much. And thank you all for listening, of course. You can follow me on Twitter at kgoodwill24. Tell the folks your uh, Twitter handle, Nolan. Follow me at Nolan Bianchi, first and last name. Oh, so original. No, no, yeah. no, nothing. Just no, no, no. Keep it easy. Yeah, man. But of course, <laughs> again, for Nolan, I'm Cameron Goodwill. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you review and subscribe. This is my first ever podcast. So all of the criticism, I'm open for it, right? I know. <laughs> Not that good, but I tried. And thank you all for listening. Catch you off episode two. Next episode, we'll be covering uh, week three after the Ravens basically eviscerate the lions because that's going to happen and we'll go through some other news that has gone through but till next time thank you all for listening